Hey everybody, welcome to the Apolog Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. First things first, why don't you all go to the site, go to apolog.ca, hit the shop tab. Go buy a shirt. Be the coolest dude on your block. Do that. Buy a shirt. There'll be more stuff coming. That'd be really cool if you did that. This podcast is brought to you by FetchClass.com. FetchClass.com is a teaching and learning system where you can teach be taught in a video conference. Yippity you, go do that. Also, I will let you know about my Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash apologue. Pledge as much or as little as you want to help the show out. The show needs help when it comes to certain things like driving around, doing podcasts in cars. Gas, I would like to say gas ain't cheap, but gas is actually pretty cheap right now. So I'm kind of screwing my idea there. But it helps. It puts gas in the car. It keeps hosting fees paid. It keeps the show rolling along. Do that. Also, if you want to help out the show and you want to buy stuff at Amazon, go to the apolog.ca website and go to the homepage and look at those banners on the right side with the Patreon banners right there as well. There's some Amazon banners there. You can go from the UK, from Canada, and from the United States. If you want more options, then let me know. Go to the contact page and get in contact with me. If you want to do it from Germany or from make up a weird country from here that does Amazon. I used Amazon the other day. I bought this little camera. It came to me the next day from I don't know where, but it came right to my door and I was so stoked. I opened it up. It said Amazon. It was so cool. Okay, I'm digressing. So go to Amazon and if you got to do that, if you want to shop on Amazon, go to the Apolog website, click on the banner, bookmark that banner and every time you go to Amazon, go from that bookmarked link and from there you'll be helping the show out and you'd cost no extra money and all that great stuff okay awesome follow me on twitter at simonhead666 like the show on facebook it's facebook.com slash pod tell your friends tell your enemies tell your lovers tell them all that the podcast is your easy listening way to the future i tell the future Okay, tell people that, that I predict the future. And when you go on the podcast, you listen, you'll hear what happened an hour from now. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to talk again. Bam, the future. Okay. Also, if you want to come to a live show, come on January 27th to the first, hopefully not last, live taping of the Apolog podcast. The address is at 292 College, and the place is called The Cage 292. Ah, do you get it? I do. Yeah, come see the show, come to the Facebook page, and click that you're attending. That'd be very cool. One more thing before I go, before we get going here. I want to let you know that I have an affiliate program going with Musician's Friend. And if you go to the apolog.ca, the homepage, you will actually see the banner for Musician's Friend. There's weekly deals there and benefits for you shopping there. Okay, so go do that. Thanks. Everybody enjoy this podcast. I've gone on way too long. I've been digressing. I can't really say what's going on in my life because I really banked this one. This one was brought to you. I recorded in October with Mr. Kevin Lamb, a photographer. And we talk a little bit about what it's like to be a photographer. And I have no idea what it's like to be a photographer. So that's why I wanted him on the show. So everybody, please let me introduce you to my friend, Kevin Lamb on the Apolog podcast.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm here with Kevin Lamb. He's a photographer. He's also a writer, photojournalist. We met very briefly when I asked him if I could use one of his pictures that he'd taken of Scott McCullough of Rusty. He said, yeah, absolutely. And I talked to him, and he has this book. And this book is called Three Songs, No Flash. We had a little bit of an audio issue at the start of the interview. We brought it back around, and here we are. We're starting it now. Enjoy. I was uh, visiting an area just outside of uh, Algonquin Park, and I it was uh, it's uh, a wolf called the Wolf Center, and they have captive wolves there. And I was photographing them. They're they're wild, basically wild wolves, and they don't know they're captive. Is kind of how it works there. But <laughs> I got a really great shot, and one that just it looked beautiful to me. And I thought I can't believe I actually took that. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe I could give this photography thing a go. I did some traveling in Egypt and whatnot, and I, I didn't mind the photos there. I didn't have very good gear when I went there. Um, I was getting better gear at that point when I was taking these wolf photos. And then from there, I just, uh, you know, I joined some some groups in Toronto that uh, did street photography, and uh, I like doing that. And one thing led to another and next thing i know i'm i'm freelancing for the barry examiner for about five years <laughs> getting lots of experience there uh, they have a photographer there there's he's an incredible photographer he's been winning awards every year now and uh, we've become good friends and i've learned a lot from him and uh yeah and then i just decided that i wanted to do something photojournalistic on my own and i love music and thought that was a good avenue to, to explore because no one's ever really um created anything sort of a large format book basically with uh, high-res photos and uh, and sort of the stories and text to go along with those photos. So I thought, well, I'll tackle it. I'm up for it. <laughs> the whole, you were talking about mentoring, and I think photography is a very mentoring type of profession where there's always a different way, not necessarily the better way, but a cleaner way to get from point A to point B especially with the purists. There's a, there's a purist m photography mentality out there, which means no Photoshop, no touching up. That, that's the picture. Where, where do you sit there? Um, I like the purist part, but not to sort of the extreme that some people are. Uh, I don't do a lot to my photos. I mean, I, I'll, I'll adjust some of the lighting in it or sharpen it if it, if it, if it needs it. But um, that goes back to my days working with the examiner uh, as a photojournalist because you can't, you can't alter photos much at all. And so you've got to learn to shoot. Uh, you got to get it right. And, uh, and, and working with uh, my friend Mark Wanzel, who's a, such an incredible photographer, I learned a lot from him. And just sort of seeing what the kind of style he did and, and, and created my own style mirrored a bit of his because I, I like how he, he photographs people in action and that lends really well to music photography because you're always trying to catch people in action and uh yeah that's uh I, i'd say i'm a bit of a purist i guess but I, I don't there's some people out there that do a lot of a lot of processing to their photos and when you see their photos and if you're at the show you realize that these look like complete two completely different places to me but but i try to not to do not do a lot of that there's also a dividing line between nikon and canon I only know this because I uh, I speak to people occasionally. Are you a Nikon man? Or are you a Canon man? I'm a Canon man. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're both a they're both a toss up. I mean, yeah. each has their own little better qualities. But uh, no, I've always been Canon. Um, I really love their lenses. I think they have great lenses. I think Nikon probably has 
possibly you know the better camera bodies and whatnot but uh from what i can see but uh, i like canon i'm very happy with it i'll mm-hmm. probably well once you get the lenses you can't really change after that you're stuck with it so that's what i was going to say money that's what they do. I think they got together, Mr. Cannon and Mr. Nikon said, well, how are we going to corner this market? You know, it's like Russia and America trying to get along, you know. And they said, well, we'll make the lenses so they don't fit. And then this one company came out with that little adapter where you could put Nikon lenses onto a Canon. I don't know if you've ever seen those things. My dad, yeah. was, my dad was telling me about yeah. it. But um, So did you start with 35 millimeter or are you always a digital camera guy? Uh, I did start with 35. Um, I didn't shoot a whole lot with 35 because obviously it's – it's a there's a cost there and 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 you don't have that instant uh, feedback to see how you're doing until you know days later when you process the film well, i never did that myself i always took it somewhere else i didn't i wasn't the uh the darkroom type mm-hmm. um but uh yeah I, I would have to say i was really reluctant to get into digital when the canon brought out the first sort of uh um, slr that was digital slr that was kind of affordable for people that had the quality I didn't buy it for a couple of years, and then I did buy one, and I think I learned more in the first two weeks that I had it than I did with film because you got that instant feedback, and you could throw away a lot and just keep shooting. Yeah. And uh, you really grow as a photographer when when you can do that. I have a friend of mine who is a photographer as well, and uh, he had this little rig where he could see, this is in about the early 2000s, where he could see the picture on like a, an instant where you can peel it and, you know, it's like a, it takes two pictures uh, and it okay. will print it to an instant uh, thing so you can actually see the picture. But it's like having one of those quick snap instant photography uh, um, pictures where you, you know, you peel the thing and let the light expose it. Uh, I thought that was pretty pretty darn cool. And he was doing film at that point. And now, I mean, it's this big megapixel thing. Like how many megapixels can you squeeze into a, uh, uh, you know, into this tiny frame? I think... He has a 50 megapixel camera right now. Yeah, I think uh, mine's like 24 megapixel. That's basically the, the maximum I need. Yep. Then you get into large file sizes and storage becomes a problem. Mm. Um, there are now uh, medium format cameras that are digital, which the, the, the megapixels. I'm not sure what those are, but they're way up there. So it's mm. yeah, you can really uh, you can you can really go. I mean, sky's the limit with that. But what, it depends on what you need. I'm not going to be posting my photos of sort of those billboard billboards on the side of buses. So um, so it's it's 24 megapixels is perfect for me. I think uh, I'm going to upgrade my camera fairly soon. I think because uh, the ISO uh, levels on them are much better. Uh, my camera is pretty good in low light, like at the horseshoe, if I'm not using a flash or something. Um, but the cameras now, that the the ones that replace the model that I have, um, basically you can shoot almost in the dark now, and you can get good mm-hmm. photos with it. But because uh, there's no noise and whatnot. But uh, and that'll help my club photography. I, I like to use a flash, uh, uh, contrary to the name of the book. Um, <laughs> when 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 I have to, I mean, I, if I if I can get away with it, if if this if the um, atmosphere allows it, like good lighting and, uh, and things like that, then I go for it. But uh, you know, I'll pull out a flash uh, in, in a punk show in a dark club because that's how you got you got to freeze the action in those shows, and uh, a flash is good for that. Have you seen those guys that have like the remote flashes? That take like backlighting and stuff like that. That stuff always. I don't know if it's just a just a one trick pony, but that stuff always makes me like. I love that, you know, where they can backlight somebody with the flash while you're taking the picture, and pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I have friends uh, that do that. Um, do a lot of that. I, I tried doing it, but I'm, I'm 
kind of lazy that way, you know, <laughs> setting <laughs> up. And uh, I like to turn my camera on and just go to start shooting. But yeah. I usually, uh, what, what I like to do, I mean, at a show, you don't like to uh, point a flash at, a, at an artist because that's, that's not doing them any favors. No. Um, I point my flash up at the ceiling and uh, bounce the light off the ceiling. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And what that does is the light comes down almost in a natural way, like it comes from light, uh, existing club lights. So you get a real natural feel to it, and you're not blinding people. Um, so that, that's, that's a good way that I, I do it. you got to be respectful. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of photographers out there that aren't, and uh, I've had to mention that to them a few times on occasion, but, but um, a lot of them are good, and, and you really got to respect the, the show and the, uh, like the, the performers in the audience. When it becomes uh, where, you, where you're part of the show or you're distracting people or the audience is watching you, then you got to kind of stop what you're doing and, and change what you're doing because it's to me that's that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's turning into a crazy situation now with folks with their with their camera phones, uh, and and that, that sort of is a hindrance to the show for me when I'm trying to watch the show from behind and all I see is a sea of of, of LCDs with tinier, smaller images of actually what's happening. It, it does. Yeah. It becomes a bit of a eh, you know I'm not. I don't know. There's got to be an app maybe that switches all the LCDs off if there's more than 10 around in the same spot. Then it assumes that you're in a club or you're in a bunch of other people's things and, and it won't turn on the LCD. I think, hey, there you go. There's your million-dollar app. I come up with million-dollar apps That's occasionally right. on this show. Um, <laughs> That's some technology that, that could be very helpful. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that does happen because there are places where um, you got to your phone off and people don't and there's got to be some technology at some point that kind of blocks all that out. i can see it in mm-hmm. the future well even at the airport like post 9 11 uh i couldn't use my cell phone for at least three years at the airport for some reason i'd, I'd be <laughs> i'd have to go outside i'd be usually picking up a band from the airport or something and i'm like why is my phone working what's going on and then i'd leave <laughs> the airport and it was jammed my phone was jammed so really? if, yeah. if they can well. stop you from making a phone call then you know you know who knows what they can do now Mr. You know, with the Apple iPhones and things like this, but it's a it's a crazy world. And, and you know, and the the bigger the bigger the camera gets now, I think it's more of a commitment. As you know, I think if if you have your little tiny camera phone, you're just taking pictures. I mean, I could see as a real photographer, you'd be looking at that, going, "Eh, not doing it justice." Yeah, yeah. Hey, the, actually, the quality of the mirror is getting better, and mm-hmm. but you know, the lenses, the the, the range of lenses aren't. Uh, nowhere near they're pretty wide and uh, low light doesn't work but uh you know if they want a, a few shots of the, of the show that's great i mean some people just sit there and they film and shoot the whole show you're not really watching the show you're watching the whole thing through your little lcd but uh, i don't get that yeah. but uh yeah. yeah i don't think that we have photographers have anything to worry about for a little while yet thankfully the cameras too i mean i've been looking and i am a i'm a i'm a uh i really want to get into photography but there's that jump you know like I yeah. ha- I own a recording gear. I own microphones. It's just that one extra thing to really try to get into. And I would use it mostly as a moving image capture device, anyways, because I want to make videos. I don't want, I'm, you know, I like taking pictures, but I would rather um, have a way of taking proper video. Hence, this new a oh, GoPro is a, such a great thing. It revolutionized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have I have a couple of GoPros and I love using them. They're they're fantastic. Aren't they awesome? Yeah, the technology is really, uh, in the next few years, it's really going to be uh, some great technology. They're downsizing the, the unit to be really small now. 
and uh, the quality is really good and the ease of use is, is fantastic. They definitely, uh, the, you know, the thing that confuses me, but you can answer this, is that I have a 12 megapixel capture. Uh, it's what it says, takes 12 megapixel, but the sensor is only two megapixels. I, I, how does that how does that compute? It's only two megapixels. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not really sure about that, actually. Uh, I'm not even sure what, I have the, I think, the second generation GoPros. Yeah. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even know what those what those ones are. Well, this this yeah. is... This is a. This would be an SJ four thousand that I got, and it has the same stuff. Like all the hardware for the GoPro fits, um, except for obviously the case. But it's the same yeah. idea. Um, I got it for about a hundred bucks. I just got it. That's why <laughs> I'm using the heck out of it right now. But the um, it's supposed to go underwater. It does. And it has a little LCD in the back, so you can actually see. So it actually. A little bit better, but I've done. Com I've seen comparisons between the GoPro and the SJ, and the SJ looks a little bit more um, digital. The GoPro seems to soften the image a little bit. So yeah, yeah, they've got some real high-end uh, technology in those cameras because a lot of uh, some of the, some of the settings on the on the upper level ones are geared for very basically for cinema use. I mean, you can really shoot some high high quality pro stuff with it. They're making 4K cameras that fit on like. Uh, <laughs> drones you know and they're going yeah. and flying it over the city and catching what would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a day you know if you had a helicopter and all that stuff so yeah the, the old traffic uh copters are going to be obsolete <laughs> yeah yeah it's true it's true and it's saving you know they're actually what they've done now with all these drones is they can there's a law you can't go above 700 feet but okay. everybody breaks that law anyways but yeah yeah <laughs> But, but He's measuring, right? Yeah, I know. It actually tells you you've gone above your legal height. You know, uh -huh. you can choose to ignore it, and or or huh. my father-in-law has one of those those really nice high-end drones, and it took off on him, and it he lives over by Port Perry, and it came back and then crashed in his neighbor's backyard. But okay. he he um he took the video and it shoots 4k video. He doesn't even have a device that plays 4k video, but he's watching the video and it's flying over Lake Scugog and it's just <laughs> flying around and it, and it found its way home, but then crashed in the backyard of the neighbor's place. And, and he's just, he's afraid to fly it now because yeah, I, I looked at, I, I looked at purchasing one of those, but I never did. It was a, like, it was called a phantom yeah. and it's uh it's got GPS in it. If it does lose a signal, it just automatically comes back to where it took off mm -hmm. or tries to anyway. So it's yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, there's an issue with them too. Apparently, I don't know much. He tells me about it, but there's an issue with tin roofs. If it fly, because you can say keep it 50 feet, but once it finds a tin roof, it will go 50 feet above the tin roof. So uh -huh. so and and it still doesn't know it will fly into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a four thousand dollar toy. Like that's right. <laughs> You know, unless you're into something like real estate or you're you're trying to show something in all of its awesomeness or you're an investigative reporter that wants to go over like fracking, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Out something, then the drone's the way to go. But if yeah. you're just a dude like me, I can't see getting a drone. Not really. Yeah. A friend of mine, he's pretty good. He shoots a lot of music videos and he, he utilizes it quite a bit in a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. So he's... Uh, He's getting good at it. I, I'd be afraid to fly it myself, mm -hmm. but uh, he's pretty good at it. So. You ever thought about getting into video? Is that something that is that what photographers is that like going from TV to movies? Is that is that what photographers like to do? Uh, some are, yeah. They're they're sort of taking that next step. I know my my photojournalist uh, friend Mark. He uh, 
uh, he's kind of almost required to do that now because newspapers have websites and they like video content on them now. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, my camera, it, it does shoot uh, high-res HD video. It was one of the first SLRs to offer that, and uh, it's really good quality. I, I've tried it. Um, for me, it's just a patience thing. It's a different mindset. I haven't uh, really got my head wrapped around all of the different aspects of videography. Um, but, you know, when I have time and if I think about it, I try it. Mm -hmm. But uh, not, not a whole lot. It's know. the editing, too, because that is where the art really comes <clears throat> to. You take average everyday normal shots and you could almost cut it into an awesome action flick you know oh, absolutely <laughs> you know it's that's the artistry part of it you can light it well you can make you know i've actually been getting into getting ipods and i have this app that puts them all into a ipad hub and then i can actually see all the video angles and okay. i hit record and it records on all the devices at the same time and then you can then take it and put it in a final cut and then shoot it and 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 switch it like it's a multi-camera shot. Oh well. So it's fun, but it looks it looks like it looks. You know, it doesn't look super awesome, but it's but that's my only foray into video, really. You know. Yeah. Now it's, I got my fake GoPro. I'm I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's mastering flow. I mean, when you uh, I find when you if you get the clips that last too long, then uh, I think five second shots mixed together with a good flow really really makes for a good video. I tried doing a little bit of that with my friend, uh, Mark, who was a journalist I talked about. We did a trip across America last two years ago mm -hmm. in a little sports car, and uh, we had the GoPros and our cameras, and we shot video. And We didn't do anything with the video, but it was fun kind of uh, attaching it to the car, you know, and doing things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, but basically, at the end of the day, we just used our photos because we're photographers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so when we, I first contacted you about getting a picture from you, which was through, uh, was Scott McCullough from Rusty, who actually, if you go and look at the, uh, on the podcast posting, and then I do a little poster, it'll see a picture of Scott. And what I really liked about this picture, and I'm sure it's what drew you to it as well by taking it, the look in his eyes. Yeah. It's so, you know, it's so relaxed and it's so, he's in his element. Yeah. That, well, that was, that was the end of the show. They did their encore and, mm -hmm. and then Scott, uh, came out and shook some hands and, and, you know, he's probably, it's like, yeah, it was a good show. It was a very good show. I remember it distinctly. And, and uh, you, you can see that. And when, you, when the guys are, are happy with what they've done, it shows right away. Mm -hmm. And I love capturing, my favorite thing of music photography is capturing the connection between the audience members and the artists. I like to position myself um, at one end of the stage and shoot kind of down, in the, down the, along the stage so I can get the audience and the uh, performance together. Uh, to me, that's those are my favorite photos, and I was pretty happy to get a shot of Scott there, um, you know, thanking his fans because that's that's important I think, to to get those connections. Yeah, when you look at it, when you look at his uh, when you look in his face, he's sort of like he's genuinely happy, and it's just a I can't really describe. It. I think if you just, anybody just go look at the picture, and you'll say it just looks like ah, I've been I'm done, you know, and he's probably <laughs> half cut, he's been drinking all night. <laughs> But it's yeah. just this moment of clarity in his eyes that I, I really, really dug up at that picture. And I try to give as much credit to the people when I do these, you know, these posters to the photographer because I feel that a lot of people just kind of just take the photo. They'll find it on the Internet and take it. And I think yeah. for all photographers, the only way I knew it was you is that you put your name on it. And I think... Yeah, you got to watermark your photos nowadays. I mean, a lot of people do use it. A lot of people use them 
not realizing that, but there are people and companies out there that take photos and on purpose and don't and don't credit people, and then you get into fights when you realize that they've done that. And it's getting better, and and I, I definitely appreciate it when people. I get a lot of people asking me, you know, sending me emails all the time if they can use them. And you know, of course they can use them. I have no problem with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, put my name with it, and you know, I'm happy with it. I even made the credit bigger. I don't know if you noticed that, but I, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> just wanted to make sure that people knew that who took that picture, and uh, and it was you know one of those rare pictures that were actually. Because Facebook, I got it off Facebook, I was going to ask for a higher resolution picture, but I'm like, that one looked totally fine. And so weird how some pictures taken with even the crappiest camera, it just looks beautiful. You know, like an iPhone picture, taking a picture of a sunset, you can take two different pictures of the same camera and sometimes it's just like... But yeah, the, one yeah. of those pictures where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter about the resolution, it, the, the the effect was still there. Yeah, you can. I mean, if they get good lighting, it uh, that's the biggest thing. And and when you get good lighting, uh, the pictures just bounce. I mean, they really, they really look look well. So, I, so, you, so we were talking about. You have a book. It's called Three Songs No Flash, and yeah. and that is tell. I know the story behind it because I I've I've uttered that term before. But describe a little bit what what that means. It's a term in photography for rock photographers. That's for sure. Yeah, when you're when you're at a show, basically the, the larger shows like the arena shows and whatnot, um, you are told by security or whoever happens to be um, looking out for you there when you get there. Uh, they usually show to you uh, first three songs, no flash. Um, that usually means you know just what it means. You got to shoot the first three songs. Can't use a flash because you you distract the performer. It's not good. And uh, once those three songs are done, you have to go. And what you get in those three songs is, is what you use. And and I wrestled with a, a title for the book for the first four years of the eight years I was been working on this, and uh, I couldn't come up with a title at all. And just one of the nights when I was at a big show, um, I think it was it might have been Rush at the ACC. I can't remember exactly, but uh, I was told that. But I'm always told that, and it just kind of clicked. And I thought that's the title, because mm-hmm. every photo- every music photographer will know exactly what I'm talking about when the, when, when they see that title. So. I think I've even uttered it a few times to as a tour manager to people <laughs> yeah. who are there to take the picture. And and it's always good when the people, they always listen, you know, and photographers yeah. are pretty much respectful when it comes to rock photography, because what you were saying before, you're, 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 you don't want to be part of the show. You just want to be somebody that's viewing the show. Yeah. Cause people act differently. Once now they're in front of the camera, some it's different for both sides. All of a sudden people are, hamming it up for the you know and sometimes they're just like oh don't take my picture i'm you know i feel odd or i feel weird you know yeah yeah there's uh i mean a lot of people they don't they don't notice it too too much i mean it depends on the genre of music you're shooting mm-hmm. um punk rock is one of my favorite genres and uh, obviously there are no distractions there because the action is ongoing all the time and and uh, basically those shows you can shoot the whole night anyways there's not a lot of restrictions mm-hmm. but um yeah, uh, festivals are usually where that restriction comes into play a big deal because um, you have a, uh, if it's a large international lineup, there'll be 50 photographers there and they're all jammed in there and you're all elbowing each other for the spot trying to get a, the shots. That is a big distraction for the audience. <laughs> um, so it's good to get them in and get them out. So did you get into photography for big shows so you could get in for free? Um I'm going to be honest, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I do podcasts so I can get uh, free CDs. 
Yeah. Actually, that's how I got the first. My first big show was that very reason. I just wanted. I just wanted to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, Live Eight was in Barrie, as, as people know, and it was one of the biggest festivals in the world. And uh, I actually lived just down the street at that time when it was there. And, was that and, Molson and Park? Molson Park, Park and Barrie. Yeah, and that was about a kilometer mall. away. It's a strip. Yeah, mall. now it's the, the, the park place. And. I wanted to go, and it was a lottery system for tickets, and I thought, well, I'm never going to get into this. So I emailed news agencies all over the world, and I have got responses from different places saying, um, you know, we've got people going already. And I said, you know, I sent my email, you know, I've got equipment, I know what I'm doing, I've sent samples of my wildlife photography that I did up to that point, and some uh, photojournalism that I did um, just on my own. And uh, the Barry Examiner um, said no the local paper, but the Toronto Sun said, sure, we can use it, because they had a couple there, and they like, you know, the more the better. So I spent the day backstage at Live 8 and met everybody, from, you know, Deep Purple to Motley Crue to Tragically Hit, and <laughs> everybody, and that, that was a great day. And uh, about a week after that, the Bay Area Examiner editor got back to me. Well, he said no at the time, but he got back to me and said, who the heck are you? I've I like your photos, but I've never seen you around before, and and that started a five-year run of me working as a photojournalist in my spare time. So um, you know, one thing leads to another, and that uh, and the photojournalistic uh, experience I got uh, paved the way and gave me confidence enough to try and and do this book. So it uh, it, it all goes together, I think. It's a tricky road to give up the security of what's considered your job to go do something that's your passion. And there's a few things along the road, along the way that for me, there's trepidation of, well, I actually enjoy this now that it's my job. Did you ever get that sort of feeling? Um, yeah, I, I made some pretty decent money with the photojournalistic side of it. Um, I didn't put, um, I didn't work at it every day. I still had a, my, my, my job, but uh, there was always the, the struggle in my, in my mind, like, do I, do I take this further and try to do it as a, as a full-time career? And I almost did. I almost thought about doing that. But right around that time, um, uh, media outlets were cutting back. Uh, the digital really uh, um, really had an impact on that industry, uh, in my mind, not for the better. Um, so a lot of people were being laid off from that. Because you know anybody with a digital camera can get decent photos, basically for for news use. So a lot of journalists were getting scared about their their job security. So that kind of helped me back, and I work at it um, when I can, as much as I can. But uh, it's good to have a little bit of a safety net there. Uh, I don't know if I'm confident enough to make that jump. I probably could, and I would be okay with it, I suppose. But uh, it's it's a little scary. But maybe someday I will. Do you have kids? Uh, no. Well, Which would make that decision a little easier, I guess, for diving into it. But um, yeah, I'm just a big chicken, I mean, <laughs> right now. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having the safety net, believe That's me, right. because there's a there's this train of thought in life these days that I don't subscribe to, and maybe maybe we can talk about it. But the idea of live for you, man, live for the now, admit whatever makes you happy, do that. You know, like kind of hippie karma stuff. Yeah. And I I think that sometimes you need to put up with life's bullshit to enjoy the good parts of life. Makes that much better, the, the good side. So 
the point is, is when you have a job that's your nine to five, there's a certain element of safety. And there's a certain element of, well, it might be boring or it's not awesome. It's not as challenging as it might should be. And, but you get to retire. See, this is where it goes against that hippy-dippy, like, live for you, live for now, is that personally, I would rather have a real nine to five that got me through to the age 65 and then I could just retire. Yeah, it, I mean, it is enabling, mm-hmm. really. I mean, if, because I, I have a decent job, but I've been doing it for... You know, more than God, more than twenty years now. I can't believe that's actually more than twenty years. I've been working at my my regular job, which is uh, yeah, I work for an engineering firm for highway construction projects as an administrator. Um, it's not a sexy job, mind you, but it's uh, it pays the bills, and I I don't really like it, but I, I know it, and I've done it long enough. But it, it enables me to do everything else I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, without that, I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, camera gear is so expensive. Yeah. Um, and and I I like to travel and I love travel photography. Um, you have your holiday, do, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and doing these uh, sample books that I have for publishers that was expensive, so yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do that. And and to me that's important because when I put my uh, my proposals together to publishers, uh, usually the standard is it's like typewritten on paper and you send it in. But I wanted to have something tangible to put along with that, like this this sample book where they can flip through it and see exactly what's in my head, how I want it to look. And, and without, you know, having a, an income, uh, that, I would never have been able to do that. I mean, I made extras that I can, I can sell them here and there just to help cover the printing costs, but still, you know, that outlay is a little risky. And, and with the income, you know, it enables all this that I, that I love to do. So. That'll be worth money, too. Like, when you actually release the book, you know, because people would be silly not to. There's not a lot, like you were saying, there's not a lot of history for independent music and for rock and roll music any it's not as it's a you know you say there's a lot of american outlets and books for love in that nature but that'll be worth some money you know so yeah i mean i only printed 150 and i've for like press reasons and publishers and things like that is a good chunk of those we should try but, and sell uh, them right now where can they go and, and buy these books um well you can go to my website i have a website that's sort of a companion to the book uh, it's uh, well three songs no flash dot ca. Uh, the number th- number three or letter three? Uh, both actually, I have both domains, okay. so you can't you can't mix it up. Three songs no flash. However, use the number or the, or the letters. Uh, it'll take you there. And then there's tabs. There's a tab for the book, and you click on that, and it'll it'll there's a page there outlining what I'm doing with the book. Uh, there's a tab for galleries, which show up. Um, there's quite a bit of foot quite a bit of photos there, but it's it's a very small fraction of what I what I've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, and various other things there, and uh, details on on where you can get the book. So mm-hmm. these sample books are really cheap. So I like to people to get them and, and get interested and, and follow along with what I'm doing. And and when I do get it published fully, it'll be a a, a large, say, I 300 page coffee table type book when it's done. Um, and I have so much material. If it does well, I can put out another one within a year, like a second a second version of it. Uh, so. I have lots to put out there. I just I need to get it out there. I need people to see this because uh, it's, it's what I've been doing the last most of the last decade, and and uh, there isn't anything out there with Canadian music, and people need to see this and and hear the stories. The written aspect of the book is all about uh, the travel, the shows. Uh, I, I don't talk about the recordings at all. Um, I mean, there's been books put out about that already. Some good ones, um, the top 100 albums of. 
Canadian albums. That that was so good for that aspect. But this is everything else, and uh, all the uh, the interviews are ones that I've done for this and the writing. And it's and you get to hear exactly what the artists talk about in their, through their own words. And yeah, I think it's it's a good pairing with the photos. The uh, whole idea of writing to me is is alien. I want to try and tackle it too. I have a I want to write a biography on a band, and it's it's so daunting, you know. So. Yeah. got to get out there and do it, right? Yeah, it is a little scary. I mean, I, I tried to, I didn't want to do that part of it at all when I started out with it. Um, so I, I recruited some journalists that are friends of mine and, and people that like to write. And they're very conscientious about it. And it lasts for a little bit, uh, a few months. And not, not a lot gets done because they have their jobs and what they do. So there's not a lot of spare time that they could spend on it. And I was getting frustrated with that. Um, I mean... I saw where it was coming from. That it made sense for them, but they couldn't spend a whole lot of time on it. So I just decided, well, if I want to do it, I got to do it myself. And it's kind of scared me because I'm not a writer, and I never interviewed anybody before. And I just dove into it, and uh, first few turned out pretty well. I mean, I interviewed, you know, Barney Bentall, Joel Plaskett, right off the bat, Rick Emmett from Triumph, mm -hmm. and it was uh, it turned out well. And I've gotten to the point now where I, I, I love interviewing almost as much as, my, as I do photography. And uh, the writing aspect, I mean, I read tons of books. And I love books. I, I read books, and I, I hardly ever watch television, but I love reading. And it just seems kind of natural, I guess, the writing as well for me. So, yeah, I was surprised myself. And, and uh, so I'm doing it all, and, and I'm, I'm happy with it so far. When you write, do you write in your head what you think you hear, or do you try to edit yourself as you're writing? Oh, there's a lot of editing. I, I write it out. Yeah. I read it over, and 90% of the content is gone and changed with something else after about 10 readings of that that one page kind of thing. Um, I imagine everybody has their different uh, different uh, ways of doing it, and I, I don't have any training whatsoever in, in any kind of writing. So it's just I just do it like sort of like gut feeling. There's people that are just good at that stuff. You know, there's people that are naturally good at music. There's people who are naturally good at writing, and by all you know and if you're confident enough to put it out it must be pretty good so that's what it's all about right yeah i mean it's scary when you throw it out there to friends and you know i had a, a journalist who is a good is an excellent writer and he edited some of my my introduction that i wrote and uh, he, he liked it he didn't do a lot of a lot of changes to it. grammatical stuff that you know i kind of miss here and there but uh mm -hmm. he said he liked it and I, I liked how it came out so yeah it, it gives you a bit more confidence to to do it and and uh Anything you learn to do on your own and it's new, it's it's helpful and you can use it in other areas in your life. That's all good to do. New That's things. absolutely right. You know, the fact that yeah. you've you've learned something. Like I wanted to get into web design, so I learned to do web design. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with this? So I made a podcast because podcasts and web design is sort of like part and parcel. I was saying you should you should get into doing podcasts. Yeah, actually, I have done them in the past. Um, there's a, a radio guy here, Barry. Um, uh, known as Rob Frost with Rock 95 for years and years and years. And uh, he had a little studio in his house and we're friends and he, we just, I don't even, I think he brought up the idea and we tossed it around and because he likes what I'm doing with the book and everything. I said, well, why don't we do a little show on Canadian music? Do a little one hour uh, show of new music and, and talk about people that maybe nobody's heard about with uh, indie music and whatnot. And we did it for about a year or so, did about 30 shows, I think. Um, and we had it on, uh, um, Radio that doesn't suck. I don't know if you heard of that. No. It's, uh, online. Uh, Todd Miller is a great guy who has this radio station that he runs himself <laughs> online, and he has all these great shows with great people. 
Um, and uh, he gave us a chance for about a year, year and a half. I loved it. And, uh, yeah, it was good. So that was something else that I tried. <laughs> I, I guess doing all these new things, uh, you get a little bit more confidence to try something you'd, even more that you would that you think you'd be scared of. So for sure. just go yeah. for it. Just go for it. That's a really good, yeah, that's a good mantra, you know, is just go for it. Just do it yeah. because there's nobody else, you know, people will judge. But my opinion is, is if there, is there people you don't know that judge it and don't like it? That's actually a win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you want, uh, to me, I don't want people to look at it all the time and say, yeah, that's great. That's great. I want somebody to tell me, you know, this is bad or this is, you because know, you're getting honesty there and you're, you're getting, it's constructive no matter what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you want that. Sometimes it's better to hear a complete stranger tell you that you suck than you're uh, <laughs> a, a sibling or a, or a, or a parent. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. You tried really hard, you know. You, really, you tried really hard, and that's the important part, you know. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, yeah, I, I wish you all the luck with the book. You, know, I, because uh, I need to ask you more questions about books because, um, in the writing part of it, because just when it, just as I started this, I started writing up write ups on people, and then my a friend of mine, Kyle. Who who's on the been on the podcast a few times? We do like a monthly live show. He started telling me, you know, you got to really word these things better, you know. So I said, well, I thought I was doing an okay thing, and then another friend of mine said, I said, um, I sent him the the write up, and I said, is this right? And he goes, it's written like I would hear you speaking, and I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, that's ten. That's how I tend to write. I think. I mean, the interviews for my book are, are conversational in nature because. Um, I've always liked interviews like that. Uh, you know, the question and answer thing is is good, but uh, I tend to get more more natural answers. You know, kind of the way we're talking here. And uh, I don't do a lot of overwriting in the books. Um, I set up uh, the person, a bit of their history and whatnot, and and kind of what we're talking about. And then the quotes are there, and it's it's basically um, them talking. And I, I give them the I'm trying hard to describe it exactly but it's the text is basically um them talking as if you were sitting listening to them in a very conversational style mm-hmm. so it's 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 i like it that way i don't like to overrate it too much it makes a good avenue for an audiobook too so if you do an audiobook you can have narration and then use the recordings unless you take notes are you one of those guys that take notes no i couldn't do that i Not record me. all mine and because there's so many uses later for it as well so I, I like the recordings and i like listening to them again in my car when i'm driving so. <laughs> You know, I love some of the things we talk about. So. How how much do you have backed up for for actual audio recording of these people? How many interviews? Have yeah. I? Oh, I would say I've been interviewing for about three years. I think I've done about 120 interviews. Wow. Yeah, all phone interviews. I just record them. Um, yeah, I haven't done any in quite a while. I got to do some more just to uh, tie up some loose ends of, of things. People I'm still trying to get before the, the everything's finished, but. Uh, and I think I'll just keep doing it afterwards because it's kind of cool to have all this stuff and archive it and definitely. for future use. So Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yep. Well, if you do an audio book, use the recordings from the people so it's coming from them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get into a different idea for audio books, and I have an idea. I think you can do it in iBooks where you can put hyperlinks and do uh, a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually thought about that. I mean, with my book, it lends well to, um, uh, like, an iPad version, you know, where you, like, a, uh, like say, like an e-book version of my book. And uh, you can embed 
audio into it, or you like could click on a, on one of the photos on my on the pages of my book, and it could pop up to a full screen of that of that shot to get to see everything in the photo properly, or you can start click on it to listen to some audio of selection of my interview while you're looking at that page, you know that kind of thing. Um, I think that's pretty doable. Whether people do that or not, I'm not sure. There's apps out there to make iBooks. Don't know if they're still doing it within Apple, but I think they actually gave out a free app to be able to construct your own iBook. That makes sense. Yeah, you should look good. into it because that yeah. would be a really cool. Uh, I buy it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> uh, Say so, yeah, I love the interviews. I'm getting to love the interviews almost as much as or more than the photography. So mm -hmm. I love doing it. The idea of, of getting to know somebody is, it's a tricky situation. Like, I really just started interviewing people last year. And I feel that I, I like talking more than I like. The questions are just seem so like, so, tell me about you and your awesomeness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people will take that bait, you know. And they're like, well, of course I'm awesome. I've been awesome my whole life. And... <laughs> <laughs> and this is how awesome I am. And then I'll say a follow-up question be like, well, how much more awesome are you? <laughs> and then they'll say, well, I'm much more awesome than I just said I was two minutes ago. So I'm really awesome now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so Yeah. yeah it's, it's funny. The, the convert, like before I, I did my first interview, I looked at it and thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm, you know, I, I I'm, not the most conversational person in the world, and and it's uh, I had to kind of train myself to to make myself sort of more outgoing in a conversation. Um, I, I've never been kind of the, at shows. I've never been kind of like the the hanger on, the groupy type. You know, I'm, I don't when I go to shows and I'm shooting and I'm doing backstage stuff. I don't really talk to the people that much. Um, small talk, you know, introduce myself. I prefer to be the fly on the wall to capture moments. Believe me, interviewing people at live shows like the, like the Horseshoe, it's not conducive to proper interview. Yeah, it's. I did one for uh, the Real McKenzies downstairs at the Horseshoe, mm -hmm. and it was like so many distractions when you try to do that, right, man? Oh, it was horrible. Well, you know, I'm not going to say it was horrible. Okay, I would <laughs> say it was okay. It was kind of horrible, but it, it was frustrating because it wasn't. There was a band playing upstairs and people walking <clears> in and out. So now what I do is I do it in my car and I'll put the person in my car and I'll drive around Toronto and I'll interview people in my car because mm -hmm. I have a little device that fits in my console and it just records onto the iPad and there's a couple of handheld mics and we chat and we drive around. It's good. Way better. Yeah. Way I prefer to do mine uh, sitting here where I am on my desk on the phone. That's, and it's better for the artists too. I mean, they'd, they'd rather, I mean, the day of the show, They've got so many things going on. They don't want to sit down and do an interview, even if it's like for five minutes, really, from yeah. what I find. So, yeah. so I, I always set it up you know, when, they're, when they've got some downtime. So this works. whole idea of, of podcasts are not three minutes long, too. No. They, they need to be like a little bit more long form and a bit more conversation-based. Some might say too much, too much conversation, but the idea, and I've said this before, I said I think what's missing in the world is conversation. Uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, we're too busy texting, and we're too busy chatting, and we're too busy getting somewhere or doing something by ourselves. That listening, I think it's well. There's an age group, you know, and I'm I'm in that age group where people like to listen to other people talk. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's talk radio. You know, that's why they flip over to AM after a while in their life. You know. Yeah. Uh, this is my first interview with that. I'm on 
sort of this end of the, of the thing. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's, I'm a good listener. I, I talk a bit and then I like to listen and, and uh, sort of when, when, the, when the artists are t- telling a story, you know, I'll, I'll nudge them one way or another as to where I'd like to see them go as far as subject matter. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, being at this end is, uh, it's different. <laughs> yeah. I've been at your end too. I've been the one interviewed and, and I promised to myself, I would never ask the questions that I've been, ans- I've been answering over the past 20 years, which is, uh, <laughs> so what are your major influences? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. how long you've been playing? Uh, what's the other one? Who's your favorite band? Who's your favorite? What are your, yeah, influences, band, first punk rock show. We had all those questions. It'd be funny if I actually just speed question those through at the start and then go, okay, we can now move on. Are you catching any lightning up in your area of Barrie? No, I don't think so. Not at the moment. killer thunder and lightning happening right now down here in Uxbridge. We had one last night, I know, but not tonight. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I could talk all night. Um, I really, I really want everybody to go to the book, three songs, noflash.com. Dot, yeah, dot, dot .ca. .ca, okay, dot .ca. Yep. Pick up a book, say hi to my friend Kevin, and also, where else, is there any other um, avenues like Flickr? Are you on a Flickr? Uh, yes, I have a Flickr page. Uh, I think it's called Kevin Lamb Photography, okay. if I remember right. How is that um, Flickr doing? Is that do you get much traffic through that Flickr thing? I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't really do much on it yeah. in the past. It's a lot of my travel stuff is on there. Some music stuff and various things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the music thing is most mostly my website, but Flickr is good. I really like the Flickr layout. Um, uh, they're doing a pretty good job right now, I think, with it. It's made so, for photographers, obviously. It's it's yeah, got yeah. that in mind. It's very visual. I, I went and looked for a few pictures on there and met up with some people through Flickr to get pictures for the podcast. That was that seemed to be a good resource to go find good rock band pictures. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a great place to if you're looking for photos. I mean, I get approached all the time on there mm-hmm. for things, and uh, my photos have ended up in some interesting places. And um, some I, uh, Getty Images is a is a big uh, a photography house that sells photos to everyone in the world and. They've actually got a couple of mine that they saw that they got through Flickr. So, oh wow, very <laughs> Some cool photographer that's been used on television shows and whatnot. It's kind of interesting. You get paid but, for that? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. I mean, it's just one shot deals, but it's uh, better than what it was when nobody calls you. So, <laughs> there's yeah. there's some website design play like one stop shop design companies that will give you free access to all the Getty pictures for their monthly fee. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've really grown in that aspect, sort of the online uh, aspect of things. Uh, Getty has really taken over, I think. Yeah. Oh, and if you're actually looking for a place to host your audio, um, what do I, I use? File. What did I use? I use a. I use a free filehost.org. I use. I think that's okay. what it's called. No, archive.org. Archive.org. Yeah, and it's free, and you put it in, you put it right up, and it'll just stay there, and it's there, and it's awesome. The, yeah, because at some point I'll have to do something with my, my audio of my interviews because, uh, you know, from the book I use, you know, maybe 10% of the interview mm-hmm. in print and then the rest is just kind of archived away. So at some point I'll have to do something. I thought about putting them on my website as, a, as an extra afterwards, but, uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that. But that 
sounds interesting. Yeah, you can also put them out as podcasts too, really. Yeah, yeah. I know there's like Bandcamp. I don't know, well, Bandcamp's music, I guess. Yeah, Bandcamp. But yeah, everybody does that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but archive.org, if you go there, you can drive people to it. They can still listen to it, It's That's and it's good. there, you know. So, But at least it's safe. So if your house burns down, you haven't lost... Yeah whatever three years of audio. yeah that's a bit of a touchy subject with me and uh when was it uh the fall of 2012 uh my computer crashed very badly so badly that they couldn't get any data off of it whatsoever i backed up my stuff but i hadn't backed up my uh, photos and interviews for about a three or four month period so i, I lost about 20 shows worth of photos and oh. about 25 interviews and that was so heartbreaking so my, my backing up was more uh, more often and more copies. <laughs> that is very, very important if you're doing this kind of work. Oh, yeah. Back up every week. It's the most important thing you can do. The first Christopher Reeve Superman, who was the girl that played Lois Lane? What was her name? I can't remember her name now. Oh, a Canadian girl. Yes. but um, She was in a Colorado video. They're friends of hers. Um, yeah, she um, lost her mind. She went crazy because she lost a whole screenplay on her laptop and she went bananas and she went yeah. crazy and she went on a walkabout and was like suicidal. <laughs> uh, I, I can understand a bit of that. I was, yeah, I was pretty, uh, pretty distraught for a while there. And there was a, a famous, somewhat famous, uh, Canadian journalist, photographer, photojournalist, uh, this year. Um, I guess he never, <laughs> he didn't know much about computers and never backed anything up. And I think he pretty much lost his life's work. Wow. Literally like decades of work gone, but he had scanned and digital stuff from recent years. But that, that's really scary. It is. Yeah. Very scary. We live in a world now where the hard drives are getting bigger. Therefore, there's more to lose. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the technology where you can actually go back the way uh, it used to be with negatives, where you could take a digital photo and make some kind of physical negative. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there isn't anything like that now. So. Yeah, archive.org. That's where you got to go. And it hosts everything. Like you could zip your whole hard drive together and just send it to archive.org and it's there, you know, and it's a snapshot of it and it will stay. There's limitless in space. And uh, I use it. I use it to actually host the audio files on my podcast. And it's, you know, when you got about a bunch of people trying to download at the same time, like in the morning that podcast comes out, it's a little laggy, but it's free. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> More yeah. options. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Thanks for thanks for doing the show. Uh, thanks. But okay. I really appreciate coming on the show, and I appreciate that picture of Scott yeah, no McCullough problem. that's on the. And there's there's tons of other cool pictures on your website and your book, and it's very cool, and it's all for the love, right? Absolutely, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Okay, man. Well, thanks for doing it. All right. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this. Kevin Lamb coming to you from sunny Barrie, Ontario. Barrie, Ontario. That's an hour and something away from here. And it was like we were in the same room. Isn't that crazy? Everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Thanks for telling all your friends. Thanks for telling your neighbors. Thanks for listening to this in your car or in your headphones or if you're on a walk or on a jog or you're walking your dog. Don't forget to pick up your dog's crap, by the way, because I stepped in some the other day and I was not sexy. Believe me. Okay, so before, before we end this, I want you to please to think about going to the shop, the new tab, the shop tab on the website, applelog.ca backslash or forward slash shop. Buy shirt. Okay. 
would really be helping that show out. You know, or have a shirt. Just having a shirt's cool, right? Having a black t-shirt with an Apolog podcast logo on there. Tell the world what you listen to. Also, please remember about the Amazon affiliation program I got going on. Apolog.ca. Look at the banners on the right side. And you will be able to shop on Amazon on those bookmarked links. So you have to learn how to bookmark a link. I don't know. YouTube will figure it out. Just go to YouTube and it'll tell you how to bookmark a link. Okay. I know a lot of people are a little bit, you know, computer retarded. I know that's not a good word, but, you know, computer retarded. So bookmark those links. And every time you shop on Amazon, you will be helping the show out. Okay. And Patreon. There's one little extra way. Okay. Go to patreon.com slash Pledge as little or as much as you want. I have two patrons. These are these are cool people. A guy from Saskatoon and a guy from the United States of America. They're both helping the show out, okay? So if you pledge as little as you want, it's a monthly pledge type thing. You put gas in the car, help the hosting fees, you get this free content. It's it's just good way to help stuff out. And I ask every week and every week I see people kinda going there, but nobody's really jumping in. You can cancel it whenever you want. It's all good, okay? Follow me on Facebook. The podcast is facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. It gets that Twitter feed up to like, I don't know, 80 people. Let's do that, okay? Fetchclass.com. Don't forget about that thing, okay? Okay, I'm still beating that dead horse. Next week, I don't know who's coming up next week, but I know it's going to be awesome. I really appreciate the good times I've been having on this podcast. I'm coming up on a year now, and uh, I, I got this little show going about a year ago with Mr. Uh, with a friend of mine, Mr. Jim Norton, and we uh, we did a couple. It was called and show and give up show business, but we didn't really uh, we didn't really follow up on it. And I figured I'd branch out on my own, kind of like what Lennon did with the Beatles, kind of. But uh, I got a lot of nice, actually got a really a, a good jump off point by getting some notes from Jim Norton. And Jim's a busy guy and I'm a busy guy. So I kind of do what I have to do when I got to do it. Okay. Everybody, thanks so much again for listening to this show every week. And I love the feedback I've been getting from everybody. And we'll see you next week. Okay. I'll be here. Bye. <laughs>